0: Good evening, everyone. Uh, Glad to have you all here with us tonight and those of you who are joining us online. Our text tonight is from Philippians chapter 3, starting about halfway through the first verse of uh, verse 4 and ending in verse 14. So, Philippians 3, 4b to 14, uh, starting in verse 4. If someone else Thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him. In Christ Jesus. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, Tonight, our scripture comes from the book of Philippians. This is Paul writing. He's writing to the people uh, who live in Philippi. And predominantly, these are people that are what we would consider not Jewish people, not religious people. These These are Gentile people. And and Paul is writing to them because people in the area, uh, some of them coming from a Jewish background, are telling these people who are considering following Jesus, they're telling them, hey, you, if you really want to do this, sincerely, you must do something, men, to your bodies to complete the process. There's something that needs to happen to you if you're going to be a legit follower of Jesus. And that was circumcision. That you needed to be circumcised. So, you know, at 20, 30 years old, all of a sudden you're hearing this message about Jesus and people are being drawn to it. And then all of a sudden, men, as you're getting drawn into this story, they bring up this little caveat, you know, well, you need to have this procedure. I mean, often we kind of skip over that, but just to think about that for a second as a grown man that you'd be coming maybe to church for the first time, uh, here visiting with us at, at Providencia, and we say, hey, if you stick around long enough, men, we have a procedure for you that you're going to have to go through. If you really want to be a part of this family, that there's going to be something we're going to take from your body. There's going to be actually a loss that's going to happen to you. And so you can imagine how difficult this was uh, for people who were hearing this. And Paul is saying to them, no, that is not what needs to happen here. That's not what needs to happen at all. Uh, and so he goes into his credentials, essentially, to tell them that he actually, of all people, has the authority to speak on this issue. So other, other religious people or Jewish people there in, in Philippi may be saying to you, hey, you have to be circumcised if you're really going to follow Jesus. And Paul's saying, look, let me read my credentials to you so that you know who I am and that I have more authority than any of those voices. And so Paul goes into it uh, right there in verse uh, 4, and he says, I have more confidence in my credentials than anybody else. Let me read them to you. Verse 5 Circumcised on the eighth day, and that goes all the way back to Genesis when Abraham's covenant was uh, secured, and that God told Abraham that all the young boys at eight years old—I mean, at eight days old—would be circumcised. And and Paul is saying that's me. I lived in that. I have religious credentials starting from birth. I'm of the people of Israel. He has national credentials. Of the tribe of Benjamin, he has tribal credentials. He's a part of the 12 tribes. He can name his forefather. Saul was also from the 12 tribes. Saul the king, the first king of Israel. Other leaders in Israel were from the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 5, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. He has genetic and cultural credentials. He speaks the language. He's from the Hebrew people. A Pharisee. Now that's both social and almost career credentials. He's saying, I'm a part of this elite class, this thinking class called the Pharisees. And as for zeal, I have the passion credential. I believe so much in my Judaism, so much in my faith that I was willing to oppress, I was willing to persecute any threat to it including Christians. As far as righteousness based on the law, I am faultless. And why is Paul flexing so hard right now? Why is he trying to kind of, in a sense, power up on these other voices? Because he wants them to know, hey, listen, if anybody can tell you what you must do from the Jewish background, from the Jewish narrative, I'm here to tell you. That I actually have the authority. And and the the circumcision thing is not part of it. Having these credentials that he says, he does something so so bizarre here and so strange, is that as he at the same time is flexing to say, I have the credentials. He will then go on to say that all these credentials in verse 7, these gains that I've said why you should listen to me, I now consider losses. I now consider losses that something was lost in all of my credentialing. I attended this boys' school in my hometown of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, it was a very affluent school. In my hometown in Chattanooga, there was a big divide between public and private. And so if you went to a private school, that was kind of like the tracks were being greased for you for success in the corporate world, success in the economic world, success in whatever industry you ended up going into. And at my little school, uh, all boys school, every year uh, students would get perfect scores on the ACT and the SAT. Uh, when, when I was in like uh, ninth grade, uh, Ted Turner, who was one of our famous graduates, came to our school with his wife then, Jane Fonda, and gave us $25 million uh, for our athletic complex. We had the nicest athletic complex in the Southeast, not just among high schools, among colleges. We had an Olympic uh, swimming pool in our um, sports complex with Olympic diving boards Um I mean, it was incredible. My my physical um, fitness coach was the Olympic trainer uh, for weightlifting. That's the guy who I had training me in the gym for weightlifting. It was like this incredible school. I had uh, people from who were princes uh, coming to the school. People from all over the world came to the school. And every uh, day we had to go to this thing called chapel. It used to be a Christian school. Uh, It kind of was quasi-Christian school. And uh, we'd go to this chapel and we'd have these very famous alumni come in and speak to us. People like Ted Turner. Uh, People who had made tons of money. And essentially what they came in and did is they would read their credentials. They would tell us how successful they were, how much money they made. And then they would stand up and they would talk to us about the road to success. They would talk to us about the ladder they climbed. And I don't know why the ladder illustration was so hot back then, but it was like they all had read the same motivational book, and it talked about a ladder as an illustration, so like climbing the corporate ladder. Every single talk, it was about climbing the ladder. And I'll never forget, there was this one man who came and spoke to us. I don't remember what he looked like. I don't remember what his name was. All I remember was this story. Because all of us were getting amped up every single day in chapel, all week. We were told that we were the best school in the country. We were told that by being in that school, we were the best students in the country. And that being a man was this incredible thing. It was uh, kind of like misogyny on steroids sometimes. You know, the way that it was pumped into us. And we had all these things, prestige and, and wealth And education all coming together there at this school. And this guy stands up to us and he talks about climbing the ladder. And he said, You know what I fear for most of you here sitting in this auditorium right now? Is not that you won't be successful. No, I actually fear that you will be successful, that you will climb the ladder. That you'll spend the rest of your life, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, climbing the ladder. And then you're going to get to the very top of the ladder. And guess what you're going to realize? That there's nothing there. I don't know if you can, Griffin, but bring up the slide that they were singing from the last song. uh, As Griffin's scrambling, um, surprising him here. But there was this this line, I was like, oh my gosh, sometimes the songs we sing, I had no idea how prophetic they were that they were going to be speaking into the first bullet point of tonight's talk. But the, it was the slide, Griffin, that, that talked about uh, when I lost myself. When I lost myself. Because the first point tonight is about being lost in our stories. You know, For, for a good part of my life, and maybe for your life, and maybe you've been to these galas or you've been to uh, parties or you've been invited to speak somewhere and they read off your resume, they read off your credentials. And maybe you do that at the parties. I don't know what yours are. Some of, some of the things that I say, for example, if I really want to get respect in the crowd, uh, if, among church people, if they know who Tim Keller is, I say, I, I was trained by Tim Keller. And I just kind of lay it out there nonchalantly, like no big deal. Although I know for some people, they're like, Tim Keller, oh my God, right? And they love it. They like think it's amazing, right? Um, And I have these things that I'll say. I lived in Key Biscayne, and I just kind of lay it out there nonchalantly. Key Biscayne is like one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in South Florida. And I was a pastor there, and I just kind of slide it in there. And these are these credentials, and one of the things that Paul is saying is in the process of finding, trying to gain all these credentials, trying to gain all this value and worth in this life, that something gets lost. And I just thought, when I thought I lost me. And for many of us, we have in the pursuit of credentials in the suit of accomplishments and trophies, in trying to present ourselves to this world as having worth, that you should listen to me, we have been lost in the process. We have lost who we are in the process. And Paul is saying all these credentials, all these gains were a loss. Because he thought they were who he was. They thought that's what he was. And, and one of the things that I, I, I realized, and I don't know if you'll make the connection with me, but one of the things I realized is that we, as we peg each other, as we ask each other, where are you from? What do you do? What are your accomplishments? And we kind of we peg each other into these accomplishments where we can try to say, okay, that's who that person is. That's who that person is. That's who that person is. This is who they're voting for. This is where they go to church. That we can peg them, and in the process, we lose This incredible gift called curiosity. Called curiosity. And Paul is stripping all the credentialing back. I mean, what else is there besides credentialing? I think about my kids. They go to school every day, uh, five days a week, and they get grades. They get graded on how they're performing. It's everywhere, guys. You get it all the time. Your worth, your value, it's like grading. It's promotions. It's your salary. It's all these things in this world that tell you this is what your worth is based on. And Paul is stripping all those things back and saying there's something that needs to be found. There's something that needs to be found. Uh, one of my friends, Hayne Steen, he's a counselor up in Jacksonville, And he loves the movie Born Supremacy. Any Jason Bourne fans out there? Has everybody seen that movie? Am I really old? Uh, But Born Supremacy, Matt Damon. uh, Matt uh, finds himself or Jason finds himself floating out in the ocean. He gets picked up by a ship and uh, they bring him back to life. And he has no idea who he is. Uh, somehow he makes some connections that he's taken back to land and uh, he finds this P.O. box that he has, a safety box, and he opens it up and inside are money, passports, uh, guns, and he's like, what in the world? Who am I? And he, he sees the passport though and he's like, oh, thank God, now I'm going to find out who I am. And he opens up the passport and the first name in there says Jason Bourne. And then he opens up. The next passport, and it says a total different name from a total different country with a total different address, total different birthday. And then he opens the next one and the next one and the next one. And all of them are different identities. All of them are different versions of who he has learned to be to survive in this world. And he takes all the passports, he takes some of the cash, he takes the gun, and he puts it in this red bag. And he closes the P.O. box back, puts it back in there, leaves the bank, and he goes to the embassy. and He's got the red bag on his back and he's trying to figure out who he is. But there's been some people catching on to the fact that he's there and that he's wanted. And he's sitting there in the embassy and you hear one of the guards yell across the room, hey, red bag! And they call him out by the bag and they call him out by what's in the bag. These are the things that he's carried around saying this is who I am or who I'm trying to figure out who I am based on these things that I'm carrying around with me in this bag. And they call him out by the bag. And the rest of the movie is about him trying to figure out who he really is. Who he really is, and it's turned into this incredible series. But uh, Paul is saying the journey of being found out To be found in our stories that we really want to, but it's absolutely terrifying to be found out. He says in verse 8, everything that I carried in that bag, all my credentials, all the things that I thought gave me place and value and worth in this world, everything is a loss in comparison to knowing Christ. In fact, he is the reason that I will let all the credentials go. Because not only did I see them as lost, I see them as garbage. You know, garbage. When Jesus talks about hell, he he talks about garbage. He talks about this garbage dump outside of the city walls where the garbage is burned. And, and, And in some ways, Paul is making this reference that like, the stuff that we cling to, that we say, this is who I am. This is what I've accomplished. He's saying it's garbage. It's for, it's like hell if you're holding on to that. If you think that's who you are, it's like hell here on earth. And in verse 9, he says, he let it go and says now that I've been found in him, in relationship with Jesus. That in relationship with Jesus, he's been given this incredible gift. He's been given a righteousness that is not his own. He's been given credentials that are not his own. Well, What are those credentials? He said, I did nothing to earn them. I've been given this gift. And what is it? To know Christ. To know Christ, and in knowing Christ, to know Himself. That He is not His credentials, He is a human. That Paul is bringing Him back. That that Jesus is bringing Paul back to Himself. That he is being stripped down, that he is being found. And it says that he will know Christ in the power of his resurrection, which Drew talked about so eloquently last week and so brilliantly that, that our stories are invited to rise up and be known. And that there will be participation in his sufferings and in his death. But Paul is saying that we are being invited into solidarity with Jesus, who became a human being. He was 100% God, 100% man, but he was with us in our humanity. That Jesus, in many ways, his life was about coming down the ladder to the ground. And that he invites us on that same journey to come back down to the ground. In verse 11, attaining the resurrection of the dead. That we can not only come down to the ground, that we can go into the ground. We do not have to be afraid of that. We can have open hands to be found who we really are. And not only can we be found who we really are, we can even be found in the ways in which we think things will hurt our credentials the things that we're scared for other people to find out, that we can be known in those spaces. Each week, uh, the story, the work of story groups uh, happens here for those who are in them. And uh, it also happens in one-on-one conversations. And it also happens uh, throughout the prayer time on Wednesdays with Stefa. It happens in so many ways that people are taking the risk in the journey of being known, of being found. But there's also another thing that needs to happen. It's not just enough that we come down the ladder and that we begin to know who we are, that we begin to really understand who we are. There's something else that we need desperately. And Paul uses the word joy 16 times in this book. 16 times, the number of times that he uses it, the majority of those times, he is talking about the people in the church in Philippi. He's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about the people in the church. He's talking about you guys. And this is the beautiful thing that as I was reading this text, that it hit me so hard. That Jesus came and that he, he strips away this idea that we are to divide ourselves based on our accomplishments, our credentials, or even things like our race or our gender. You know, things that we hold on to, that we think give us security, power, whatever it is in this world. That we are to open our hands to those things. Because when we can open our hands to those things, we can open our hands to this journey with Jesus. Not only do we discover, as Paul does in verse 9, that he's held by Jesus. That Jesus is holding him. Is that with open hands, we can learn to hold each other. That Jesus came so that we could learn to hold each other again. There's this film out on Apple Plus, whatever it's called, uh, Ted Lasso. And, and I, I probably could have just talked about Ted Lasso all night tonight, and that would have been the sermon. Um, brilliant, beautiful moments throughout the, the film, throughout the story, throughout the narrative. But without giving details away, the thing about Ted Lasso is that he's curating a family that is learning to hold each other. And that we, as a church, are leaning, learning, trying to do the same thing. That this is the invitation of Jesus. That that we don't have to hold on to some kind of credentials. Some type of righteousness that we've owned on our own. That it's a gift to us. That we can be known in our stories and we can be held in our stories. The gift that Paul discovered that Jesus... Was holding him. Not when Paul had already accomplished something. In verse 12, he says, I I haven't even arrived at my goal. Uh, In verse 13, I haven't even taken hold of it all. I I haven't even finished. I don't even know the end. I don't even know how to do all this yet. But the thing that I'm leaning on, the thing that I'm living in, the thing that I'm uh, resting in, is that Jesus is holding me. In my story. And that's the gift that he gives us tonight. That whatever your story is. Whether you know it. Whether you're at the top of the ladder. And you're chugging along. And it hasn't hit you yet. Or whether you've come about like halfway down. Or whether you're like pretty close to the dirt. Wherever you are. That Jesus is saying that you don't have to hide, that you can be found, that you can be known, and that you can be helped. That you need to be helped. That we all need that. Let us pray.